Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Miss Terry is too kind. She is too kind. Praise God. I'm so happy to be with you all this morning. I love coming to the house of the Lord. Um, I don't, I'm not just saying that, like I actually do. Um, And I pray that I always will, that it will never become work or a task or a chore, but it will always be a blessing because um, around the world, this is just not the norm for everybody. Amen. They don't always get to go freely to a church and worship freely in front of everyone and even be able to come to a a church that you feel is where you're planted, um, where you call home and the people there you call family. And I am honored to be able to say that about this church. So I just want to say thank you for joining us today. Thank you to Pastor Horace and Minister Pat, who are not here with us, but who Um, allowed me to be able to share a word with you all that I believe, um, you know, God, God just always has me teaching on something that he's talking and dealing with me at at the same time. Okay. He's never let me come up and say, Oh, faith, you're really good in this area. You talk about this. No, it's always the, Oh God, but am I really qualified to talk about this topic? I was like, yes, because I'm working in you on this and I'm working in everyone else in this area as well in Jesus name so I pray you'll be blessed today but let's pray before we get um, go any further Uh, Father God we just thank you we praise you we worship you we just want to say that we love you and we are truly here to listen to you this morning we're here to receive revelation from you we want to hear what you want to say I thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name, that I wouldn't speak my own words, but I would speak your word, Father God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would uh, use me, speak through me, and that you would touch every person in the area of their need. That as they open up your scriptures this morning, that it will become alive to them in a way that it never has before. And I pray that we will have the mind of Christ to see your perspective, to hear your voice. And I just... uh, I thank you, Lord God, that you are shutting the voice of every enemy that would try to speak contrary to your word, that would try to uproot what is trying to be sown today in Jesus' name. So we thank you, Father God, for your presence being here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, Alfred back there on the, yes, back there, um, he said, well, what's your, what's the title? I'm like, why do I have to have a title? It's so like, you know makes me stick to a, but anyway, I have a title, Whitney help me, Um, the journey to the promise, okay, that is what we're going to be talking about this morning, the journey to the promise, and I don't know if you're like me, but there's some promises that you believe in the word of God that are for you, but you might not look around and see it right now in your day-to-day right now, okay, you may not see it, but you know it's in the word of God, And so God says that you can have it, that it's yours, but you just don't see it yet. And funny enough, as Miss Terry was talking about the definition of faith, well, what is faith? Anybody? Hebrews, right? 11, 
It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's those things that you don't see yet, but God said they're yours, but they're just, you haven't seen them yet. And so we're going to talk about that journey of getting to where you see them, and they're yours. Amen? Because I wish I could say that God gives us a promise, or you read a scripture, and then the next day, poof, there it is. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Then, the, you know, you read another scripture. Ooh, I want that. And then, poof, there it is. You know, that would be, wouldn't that be nice? It seems nice, right? But it would lead, I think, to a very shallow existence where we're never having to use our faith. And without faith, it is, okay, some people know their scriptures. Yes, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So God said, yes, it may be nice to get everything when you want it, when you think you should have it right away, but that just does not build your faith. Your faith is built in the journey, in the process, in the believing, in the waiting, in the expecting, in the hoping, in the seeing, in your spirit, in your mind, when you can't see it in the physical. That is where faith comes in. And so um, Pastor had me share. It was funny because Pastor had me share about the, my new car last week, and I didn't, he didn't tell me he was going to do that. But um, as I was thinking about it, I said, you know, people may hear about someone else's testimony and then compare it to themselves, right? Well, how come? Well, I've been, and what about? And we can't do that, right? Because you don't always know the backstory. You don't always know the circumstance. You don't always know what went into it. And so you can't say, well, they have that, and how come? No. No, 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 no. All our journeys are different. You just don't know. And so I'll just tell you, uh, just in reference to the car, but this could apply to anything, I had been uh, wanting a Honda Pilot um, that was the, the new car I got. I had been wanting that since probably 2017, I think. Um, Liz uh, had me print out a picture of it. She was like, oh, you want? You should print it out and put it in there and believe that you have it. And so I printed out, I think it was 2017, a picture of a Honda Pilot, right? Now, what year is it now? Okay, so that's six years, right? That I And don't get me wrong, I saw friends get new cars, and I was like, Okay, Lord, it's my time, right? Because God's like, just calm down, faith, just calm down, okay? So I can't look at what somebody else is doing and jump on their promise and say, oh, well, God, now, now it's my time. Your promise is coming, but you need to know when God has things lined up for you because there's a whole lot. So there were times where I looked, I wanted what other people had, but God said, be content with what you have. Because as you're driving to work in a faithful, yes, old, but faithful car, there are people waiting at the bus stop that would love what I had, right? There are people trying to figure out how they're going to get to work because their car's not where they tried to start it and it wouldn't start. And here I am, no problem getting to work on time. So I cannot complain about what I don't have when there are people who would be grateful for what I have. Can anybody relate to that? Has God had to have that moment with you where you want to complain and God's like, D -d 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 no, don't do it. I sometimes do that to my boys when they're about to, I'm going to help you right now. You're welcome. Don't say it, you know. Um, and so that's what I feel like God does with me. And even, you know, we would rent um, like um, 
larger vehicles to go on family trips, and the boys would get accustomed to it, you know, and they're like, this is nice, and, oh, okay, I like this, and wow, you know, and then the next day, we'd turn in the rental car, and Zeke would come out, and he's like, but mom, where's my SUV? <laughs> I'm like, Zeke, that wasn't ours, but mom, you need an SUV, like, he really learned what an SUV was early on in life, and he was like, no, you need one, and I said, in Jesus' name, but we will not complain about this car, boys, because this is a blessing from God. And we will be content with it as long as he sees fit for us to have it. Amen? And that could be in any area of your life. Just like the song we were singing, I have learned. What? How does it go? Oh, Jehovah Jireh. I will be content in every circumstance. You know that's in the Bible, right? It's in Philippians 4:11. You don't have to. You can turn there if you want. But that's when Paul, he said, I have learned. How do you learn to be content in every circumstance? Because you go through circumstances. And God says, is, it, is what you're wanting, is that what you think is going to bring you joy? It's not. Is what you're looking for, that you're waiting for, do you think that's what's going to bring you peace? It's not. I hate to break it to you, but if you don't have joy and peace right now in this moment with Jesus Christ, you're not going to have it when you get the car or the house or the job or the relationship or the whatever it is, the peace, whatever it is. God said you can have that now because he wants the Yes, there's a journey. Yes, there's battles. There's trials. There's temptations. But you can still have joy in that journey. You can have peace in that journey because it doesn't depend on getting this answer to prayer. So we're going to look at the life of some people who had this revelation, okay? Now, um, it, it may feel like maybe you're in a wilderness. Maybe it feels like there's a wondering time. Maybe it just wonders why am I, what, you wonder why am I waiting? Why is this taking so long? Or whatever the case is of your situation, whatever it may be, I think everybody, it's safe to say, has some situation where they need God to move. Whatever, could be financial, could be health, could be family, could be job, could be whatever, right? You know, God knows. So let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 through 4. And I'm reading in the NIV. You can read in the NLT. Actually, um, yes, whichever one you have is fine, okay? Um, I'm going to read it out loud to you all. And it says, be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. So God is saying, this was God speaking to the children of Israel because they were slaves in Egypt, right? They were slaves, and God brought sent Moses to deliver them from Pharaoh, 
because he wanted them to be free, and he was bringing them to a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. I used to hear that like, I don't get what's so great about milk and honey, but okay, when I was a kid. But in that day, in that time, it's a land flowing with something that can sustain you and good things, sweetness, okay? So God was saying, I want to bring you into a good land, but there was a journey, right? They were free from uh, God did mighty miracles, right, through the hands of Moses and his brother Aaron to free them from Egypt, and then they're in this wilderness, okay, because they had to get to the promised land. And for them, as many of you might know, um, I think the journey, when I read in the Bible, it said it, it should have taken 11 days, 11 days, and it took them 40 years. And some of that, it wasn't even, you, you know, 40 years and 11, that's a big, that's some long detours, right? But it really, God had them even going in circles at some point because he was like, yeah, you guys, you're not, you're not going to be able to handle the promised land. I'm sorry. When you guys are done and your children, they, they'll inherit the promise, but you, you won't see it. Why? They complained. They murmured. They rebelled. They went against God. It didn't come the way they thought, when they thought. And they had to struggle. Oh, heaven forbid, they came out of slavery and had to have a trial. Every time a trial came, oh, Lord, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Why did you just keep us there? At least we had leeks, and at least we had seasonings and spices. What? You would rather have slavery with good food than freedom because it, it's a little work. That Anyway. I don't know what I don't know what they were thinking, but you know who knows who am I to judge? Maybe I, I pray if I was alive then I would have been like Joshua and Caleb, who were like, no, we believe God, you know, as opposed to the other ones who who complained. So um, God wants to see what's in our heart, though. He does test us, and that's not a bad thing. I think sometimes it's like, ooh, testing. No, if you're in school, anybody in in school, any kids in school, do you guys have to take tests? Yes, anybody, and you're not a kid, you're an adult, and you're in school, or you were in school. Did you have to take tests? Yes, because God wants, God, the teacher wants to know, do you know the material? And God already knows what's in our heart, but sometimes I think he tests us so we can see how much, where we are. Because you may think, I don't know about you, but there were some times that I thought I knew I was going to get an A. And I went and I took that test, and it was not an A. And I thought I really knew the stuff. But apparently, I did not know what I thought I knew. And so God does that with us. He's like, I just want you to, I just want you to see, okay? When things don't go your way, do you still praise me or do you complain? Do you still worship or do you worry? Do you still tell everybody how good I am or do you complain about when is God going to come through? Right? I'm just saying. I, maybe it's just me who's ever had some complaints. My accountability partner, God bless her heart, now when I get on those like, and I have this to do, and I have that to do. Should, you know, let's just pray about this right now, Faith. Let's just pray. She'll cut me off. And I thank God for that because I don't need that. That's not helping me to recount my to-do list that's stressing me out as I'm recounting it. You know, like, that in the moment is not helping me. I think I'm venting. I'm not venting. I'm just sitting there getting myself worked up again. And I need to pray and ask the Lord. So 
anyway, um, let, let's, let's go on. So the, the promise isn't what isn't the goal in and of itself. We can't have our eyes on this is the promise, this is what I'm, you know, that's almost like you're worshiping the promise. You're worshiping the answer to the prayer. You're worshiping the end result of this thing that you think is what you need or want at the moment. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen? He is the goal. He is, honestly, it's his presence. Let's, let's just go, let's go to Joshua chapter 1, because that's where we're going to probably be most of this morning, and I won't, I won't keep you too long, you know, not too, too long. Uh, Joshua chapter 1. And so Moses is one of those people that I really love to read about in the Old Testament. I mean, he and the Lord were like this. I mean, they spoke face to face. And God even said it. I, his, Moses' sister Miriam tried to complain about Moses. And God said, uh, Miriam, Aaron, uh, Moses, come to the tent of meeting. I need to talk with you all. It's like the dad talking to the, because they were siblings, you know. He's like, let's have a chat, a family chat. Miriam, I talked to him face to face. There is no one. This is literally what he said. There is no one more humble on the face of the earth than my servant Moses. And you had the nerve to talk about. I mean, for God to defend Moses and talk about he is the most humble man on the earth, I think, Anyway, I like to look at the, the life of Moses. I think it's amazing to study. So Moses, we can safe to say, would be some pretty big shoes to fill, right? I mean, if Moses was the leader of Israel, and now Moses dies, and now Joshua, I need you to step in. That could be a little intimidating, right? Like, how am I going to be able to fill the shoes of Moses, you know? Like, that's, that's. That sounds intimidating, okay? So after the, in Joshua chapter 1, after the, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide. So Joshua, we learned that Joshua was kind of Moses' assistant, his right hand, his uh, person really that Moses was grooming and training and discipling in what he did. And so Joshua, now Moses is dead. And he said, now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one, this is verse 5, will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it and then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged 
for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, I love this passage. It's one I, I read to my son Elijah. We talk about be strong and courageous because um, God says it over and over and over to Joshua, probably knowing where Joshua was at that moment. I've got some big shoes to fill. This is not an easy job. These people complain and rebel. I got to lead them. I got now Joshua has the job of taking territory that technically belongs to other people in the natural at that moment. God said it's theirs, but at that moment, other people are living there, other people with weapons and other people with armies, and God is saying, this is your land. And they're like, uh, doesn't look like our land, God. <laughs> this does not look like it belongs to us. Nobody's like, oh, you showed up? Yeah, we heard what God said. Here you go. We'll just we'll go relocate, rebuild, you know, do all that work. You take what we already built up. Take our houses, take our land, take our crops, take our, you know, all those things that we worked so hard for, you have it. And and we'll go over here and we'll we'll start over. That's not what happened, right? And so that's not what they even expected. So God is telling them, be strong, be courageous. I love the things that God really points out. This first one, um, where he says, he gives um, Joshua very specific instructions, right? He says, um, let me go to this first one. Yes, verse 8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Let me go before that, sorry. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Now, we kind of, you could say, thank you, Jesus. Uh, Jesus summed up the, the law of Moses into two laws for us, right? Two commands. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second one, love your neighbor as yourself. So we don't have to follow the, I can't remember how many, but it's several hundred laws that Moses had written out because that in of itself I would need strength and courage amen it's just impossible but because of what Jesus did on the cross he, he summed it up he's like look two things love God with all your heart and love people like yourself okay so can we do that can we do that amen okay check all right one we can do that the Lord is going to help us do that next one Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Now, this is when we talk about what we say. Because we know, we've heard, there's even a book, Battlefield of the Mind. And I agree, it is a battlefield, okay, to cast down every thought and imagination that would try to say something contrary to what the Word of God says. That is a battle. But I believe there's another battle, and it is for your mouth. What is going to come out of your mouth? Are you just going to let whatever you think, feel at the moment come out? Because that's where complaining comes in. Are you going to say whatever it is that you see at the moment? Because that's where faith just gets toppled down because you're just talking about what you see. And faith doesn't go by what we see, right? So there is a, a battlefield of watching what we say. And if we go to, can y'all hold your place there and, like, go somewhere else? Can we do that? If you have a phone, it's sure very easy. But um, if you're using your paper Bible, let's go to James chapter 3. Because this is, my sister Tammy knows the Lord was dealing with me on my mouth. And I was, we were just, 
you just read this and you just get convicted like, Jesus, help me. We need help. Okay, James chapter 3, and we're going to start at verse 1. Okay, it's about taming the tongue. Mm. Jesus. Okay, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, <laughs> my fellow believers. That's encouraging, right? Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. I'm going to say it again. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, a bit is like that very small piece, right, that goes in their mouth, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships, for an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. We have fires up in Canada, right? That it's, it's nothing big that starts these things. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. Among all your parts of your body, can you believe that the tongue is the one that they said is the hardest to tame and the one that can really determine the course of your whole body? Just the tongue? It sets the whole, sorry, it corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. So what it's saying is, you, they can relate it even to the body of Christ. Whole churches have crumbled from what people said out their mouth. Division, leaving, all from words. And not just from the pastor, it can be from the people gossiping, spreading foolishness, talking about things we got no business talking about, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth-hand information that we spread like fact. Jesus, help us. Okay, so it sets the whole course of one's life on fire. Let's go down to verse 7. Um, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Now, I don't know about you, but God has been dealing with me on how I talk to people, what I say to people, what I say about people, how I correct my children, everything. And I work at a school, so I'm talking to kids all day long. And God is like, you have the ability to build these children up with your words. You have the ability to tear them down. What what are you doing when you open your mouth? Now, the, the good news is, No human being can tame the tongue, but Holy Spirit inside of you, 
the fruit of the spirit of self-control can help you. Okay? There is hope. Holy Spirit can help you. You don't know sometimes biting your tongue is the best response. Sometimes it is the spirit-led response to not say a word. You feel like, but I was wronged. Don't say a word. Because what you're about to say right now is not godly, okay? You're about to set something on fire and then be running around trying to put out the fire later. Just don't start the fire. Be quiet. You'll be like, oh, Lord, why is this happening? Because you opened your mouth. Even in um, Exodus, this was a verse God gave me in Exodus, I think it's Exodus 14, 14. Sorry, I'm all over the place. Sorry, Alfred, I told you I, the Lord is working with me, okay? He's, I, tr- I really tried to come up with very solid notes and stick to them and say, this is what I'm going to talk about. But I felt the Lord saying, you know you're going to be all over. Okay, so Exodus 14, 14. And I think it's in the, um, I'm going to look it up in a different translation because the translation that the Lord really got me, I, I said, ooh, Jesus, this is for me. Okay, so I'm just give me one minute. Exodus 14, 14. Okay, so this is where the children of Israel and Moses, they're there at the Red Sea, right? The Egyptian army is coming behind them. They're scared. They're facing this sea. They don't know how are they going to escape from these Egyptians that want to either kill them or take them back into slavery. And so they don't know what they're going to do. They have the sea in front of them, the Egyptians behind them, and they're stuck. And what happens? The people of the Israelites said, God is going to come through. No, that is not what they said. They were like, Moses, why did you bring us out here? You know what, what's about to happen. They're gonna, you brought us out here to kill us in the wilderness. You know, this was like what they did every time. Okay? So every time. Thank you. Thank you, Elijah. Yes, that's my amen corner back there. Okay, so Moses answered the people. This is verse 13. Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Now, this is the one that the Lord uh, gave me that I said, oh, this, this is... I don't like this version, but okay, I feel like this is a word from the Lord. Okay, in the Amplified Version, verse 14, it says, The Lord will fight for you while you only need to keep silent and remain calm. Because God knew that what they were saying was not helping them. You're literally complaining and you're showing that you have no faith. You don't trust me. You don't think I'm going to come through. You think I'd play games with you. I bring you out. I, I, I let Pharaoh release you just to send you back. God's like, I don't play games. I got, he's got enough to do besides play games with our lives. Like, he's not out trying to play games with us. Be quiet. Remain silent. Watch God do it. There's so many times we feel like we have to defend ourselves or we have to let people know what they did. God's like, no. Because conviction from the Lord is better than a, a lecture from anybody, to be honest. Do lectures really change your heart? No. When God convicts you of something and opens your eyes, does that change your heart? Yes, it does. And so God is like, just 
<laughs> quiet, okay? So let's go back to, sorry, we went a couple places. Let's go back to Joshua chapter 1. Are you guys okay? We're not going to be here too much longer, I promise. I'm just kidding. Okay, we're not. Okay. Um, so let's go back to verse 8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. So what should we be saying? If you can't say a scripture about the situation, just don't say anything. But if you have a scripture, say that. Just say that. If you really, if you're like me and you just like to talk, just find the scripture that lines up with what God says in that situation and say that, okay? Because I, I do like to talk. And sometimes I just need to be quiet. And sometimes God says, well, here, sweetie, just take this word and just say this since I know you're just aching to say something. Okay, Lord, okay. Um, one time uh, I was getting all irritated and Will didn't, um, he just said, okay. And I said, okay, you know, okay. He's like, well, the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. I'm like, I can't say anything back to that. Okay, praise the Lord. Um, okay, so the next thing, so we're supposed to speak the word of God, right? Um, and meditate on it day and night. That's where the mind comes in. Because the enemy, just like I told you guys the testimony about getting the car, so this, is how, this is what the devil does, right? You get a victory, you see a, a, a promise fulfilled, you see an ex excitement, and then the devil's like, well, what about this? Did you think about that? Yeah, you gave your testimony, and then watch. And this happens. You, you know, that's what the devil does. He doesn't want you to hold on to any little bit of faith, of you know, expectation of, no, God is good. He's going to come through. He doesn't want you in that place. So as soon as, you know, uh, last week, no, this past week, yes, this past week I take my car to the Honda dealership just to get it looked over, right? And just to get it looked over and change the oil just to be sure because I wasn't, I don't know when the last oil change was. So I just wanted to, you know, take it to them. They see it, blah, 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 because I didn't buy it from Honda. So I take it to them. You know, when, I, mind you, when I'm dropping it off, mm-hmm, they're going to find, you got a lemon. You got a lemon. And I'm like, but God wouldn't bless me with a lemon. Well, you just don't know what they're going to find. You know they could find something really expensive, and now your blessing becomes a burden. Is that God? Like, we have to really sit there, and when we get in those little, no, shut up, devil. I'm not listening to that. That's a lie. God doesn't give blessings with burdens. God doesn't sit there. No, God's got me. God's, I'm not worried about this. But isn't that like him? Just, he just doesn't want you to have one little moment. So we always have to be meditating on what the word of God says. Not be shocked when he comes with the contrary, but have something to come back at him with. Just like Jesus was, right? When he was in the wilderness, didn't the devil come with temptation? He came. Oh, I know you're hungry. You could turn those rocks into bread. And I'm sure Jesus might have looked at it. When you've been fasting, for, well, I've never fasted for 40 days and 40 nights of just water. So I can't say what Jesus felt like. But I'm assuming he felt a lot more than what I felt when I just did three days. And as my friend Lorraine said, she was fasting for three days, and she saw a raisin wrapped in a piece of hair with some lint attached to it in the corner of an elevator. 
And those three days had her contemplating eating that raisin because it's just you're that hungry, right? You're just like anything looked appetizing at that moment. And so I'm sure Jesus could have looked at that rock. I could turn it into bread. I could be a little crusty baguette, a little Mediterranean something. I don't know. I'm sure he could have. He could have done it. But Jesus said, no, man doesn't live by bread alone. Jesus was, bam, the word, the word. He just, it was just instant. He said, Jesus, let me be that way. Instant with the word of God, right? Instant to respond. Okay, the last, the last thing, then we're, we're really wrapping it up now, okay? We're wrapping it up. I'm on page one. We got four more pages. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> To be honest, though, it was really only funny story. I really was like trying to put some notes together and I found myself getting off of what God said because I just wanted it to be like, you know, packaged nicely. And so the last three pages are like what I was going to preach about. And the first page is just what God said. So it's we're, we're done. We're like we're, we're really are wrapping up the other three pages. We're not getting to. OK, so um, Joshua had to trust that God knew what he needed him to have and gave him what he needed before he gave him the assignment. And what I mean is, in Numbers chapter 27, verse 18, you can turn to it if you want, or you don't have to, but Numbers 27, verse 18, we see that um, this is when, Mo jo get your words together, God told Moses that Joshua is going to be the one to succeed you, okay? And so in verse 18 uh, of Numbers 27, So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership, and lay your hand on him. God already knew he gave Joshua the gift that Joshua needed to do the assignment that God knew he was going to give to Joshua. And for us, we're like, well, I've never done this before. That doesn't matter. When God tells you to do something, he knows what he placed inside of you. He knows how he made you. He knows what's going to bring it out. And so literally, God said, no, I gave him a spirit of leadership. I don't even know if Joshua knew he had a spirit of leadership in him, but he did. You may not know some of the things that God has put inside of you, but he's put gifts. Just like Miss Terry said, there's a talent. There's a gift. There's something inside of you. And as you get called to a task and you know it's from God, he's going to get, he's like, you already got, just trust me. I just need you to trust me. Listen to me. Hear my voice. Just like he said to Joshua, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I will be with you, right? Because that's the true promise. The promise is that God will be with us. That's the promise. I, he will not leave us. He will not forsake us no matter what's ahead. He's got us. Amen? Amen. God has got us. And so that's what we can rely on for no matter what situation, circumstance, whatever the case is, whatever is ahead of us, God said, be strong, be courageous, have peace, have joy, be quiet sometimes, okay? When you're going to talk, speak the word, okay? When you're going to, you know, when you need to talk to people about what's going on, pick the godly people that you know we're not going to tell you join on your little you know your rant and have a pity party with you that's not who you need when you're going through something you don't need people to bring balloons 
and party favors to your pity party. That's not helpful. You need people that are going to say, let's shut this party down. I'm not coming. I know you invited me. I don't want to come. We need to relocate to a praise party, okay? We need to thank God for what he's doing. Amen? All right, so this, I'm just going to read this to you, and then we're going to pray and close out. Um, I love this verse, and I can't talk about the promises of God without um, this passage. It's in Romans chapter 4. And I hope you could take some of these and just meditate on them, read them. I'm, I'm sure you probably, a lot of you have read all of these before, heard all of them before. So I know I'm not giving you anything maybe brand new, but just a refresher, a reminder, an encouragement. Amen. Um, so in Romans chapter 4, in verse 16, it says, Therefore the promise comes by faith. So does the promise come because you're a good person? Because you did every little thing, like you obeyed perfectly? No, although faith does bring obedience, obedience without faith, that's just religion, right? So the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Verse 18, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Verse 19, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's room was also dead. This is a good one. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. I'm going to read it again. He was fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. And this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. We thank you, God. I just want to pray. We thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord God, for the promises in your word that we can grab hold of and say, yes, Lord, I, that promise is for me. I know that is an area of my life that I need you to come through. We thank you, Lord God, that we would be like Abraham and that we would not waver in our faith just because we don't see it at the moment. But we would grab hold of it and say, this is what I'm declaring. This is what I'm speaking. This is what I'm believing because I know you're faithful and I know you're true and I know you don't lie. So I thank you, Father God. I thank you for faith rising up within your people, rising up, Lord God, within them. Let them be strengthened in their inner man. Let them, whatever area it is, whether it's financial, whether it is emotional, whether it's relational, whether it's career and job, whether it's the path, whether it's a, a choice, a decision, Father God, whatever it is, I thank you and praise you that they would look to you first and foremost, the promise keeper, the promise giver, that we would take our eyes so much off of pursuing the stuff 
and that we will put our eyes on you, Jesus, and say, you will never leave me. You will never forsake me. You will be with me wherever I go. Therefore, I can be strong. I can be courageous. I thank you, Lord God, for strength and courage rising up within your people, no matter what they're facing. And not just today, but let us get in this word. Let us get in your presence and continue to keep your word on our lips and your word in our minds and your word in our hearts. And I thank you, Lord God. I thank you. I thank you for the deliverance. I thank you for the testimonies. I thank you for the freedom. I thank you for all the things that are coming to your people, Father God. In Jesus' name, we take it by faith. We say it's ours. We believe it. We receive it. And we say thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. And uh, before we go, I just I have to say, if there's anybody here, I can't not uh, give time for anyone to um, accept Jesus. He truly is. Um, he's our everything. If he's not your everything, he wants to be your everything. He can be your everything. That in this journey, yes, there's trials. Yes, there's temptations. Yes, there's struggles. But Jesus said, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And all he asks is that you open your heart to him, that you give your life to him, that you say, I'll give you, I surrender. I give it all to you. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And because of what you did, I can be washed whiter than snow. And so if that's you, I just, let's just all bow our heads. Um, that's between you and the Lord. If that's your first time, if you've never prayed this prayer, if you've never surrendered to, to Jesus, if you've never confessed openly and believed, um, said what you believe boldly from your mouth, this is your opportunity. This is your chance. And so, Father God, I thank you and I praise you for your people here. I ask, Lord God, in Jesus' name, that they get a conviction, Lord God, of the reality of who you are, Jesus. That they would see that you're real, that you love them, that you're there for them, that you're on their side, you're fighting for them. And that, Father God, that if they put their trust, they put their faith, they put their hope in you, they believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God, that if they boldly confess with their mouth and believe in their heart, that, Father God, you raised Jesus from the dead, then they will be saved. So, Father God, I pray right now in Jesus' name, convict the hearts of your people, Lord God. Convict our hearts to come to you. If in any way we have fallen away from you, Father God, I thank you for repentance and renewing our relationship with you. And I thank you, Lord God, for what you're going to do in everyone's heart and mind. So if, if, if everyone would just repeat after me, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. You died on the cross. You rose again. And you're seated in heavenly places. I want to give you my life. I want to give you my heart. I want to give you my soul. I want to surrender to you. Have your way in me. And show me how to be a disciple to follow you in Jesus name amen if you said that prayer if you believed it in your heart and you said it boldly from your mouth and if that was the first time you ever said that then I believe that you are saved that that means that if anything were to happen to you on this earth you would
will be up in heaven with, with our Father. And it also means that now, if you truly give your life to Jesus, then you do it his way, not your way, not the world's way. Amen? So if that's you, if you need to discuss anything with anyone, prayer, you can come up after service, and we will pray with you or talk with you or give you any resources. I thank you guys for joining us this morning. I pray this morning blessed you in some way that you heard from the Lord, his scriptures, something worship, something touched you, revealed something to you, and that you're going to have a better week this week and uh, a new and living hope because of what Jesus Christ has done. Amen? Amen. Have a wonderful Sunday, everybody. Love you all. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org. Dot org.